to humans wake up wise up do what you can individually and together my name is serena simons i'm the senior producer on the earth to humans podcast um, with one of my co-producers hannah milvani who's we're gonna kind of be you know just it i wouldn't even call it moderating because i think it's just going to be a very open conversation but i I really wanted to have a conversation with just a bunch of badass women. Like that was my goal for today. Um, I had recently uh, read a book called Annapurna, which I don't know if any of you have read, but it was it was so inspiring. It's about this all female climbing expedition in the seventies up Annapurna in Nepal, and it you know just chronicled their experience together on this, I think it was a, like a 10 woman team or something like that. And just all, all the, the stress that came about that. And, and that was the seventies, you know, so a lot has changed since then. And that was very, like a very trailblazing kind of moment for, for women in the outdoors. But I, I just kind of wanted to kind of, kind of talk about the things that came up um, for me in that book, which was the way women are respected in the outdoors or not respected in the outdoors, just kind of the gambit of being a, a woman in the outdoors. And I know some of you have done a lot of incredible hiking, through hiking, um, some solo hiking, some not solo hiking, but it's just an incredible panel that we have today. Some biologists, some some travel vloggers, some um, naturalists, and just you guys have incredible street cred when it comes to hiking. So I just, I'm really happy to have all of you here today. Um, but ladies, welcome to the Earth Humans podcast. Um, I just want to kind of get you guys to introduce yourselves briefly. Um, and we'll start with Candy. Hi, I'm Candy, Candy Podolsky. Uh, gosh, I've been an educator most of my life and uh, loved the outdoors and taught a lot about the outdoors, did an occasional hike now and then. Uh, but then I uh, retired up in Maine and my husband passed away and uh, I started hiking more. And my son and I did the long trail together uh, as a way to heal from all that. And I continued on and did all the 4,000 footers in New Hampshire, mostly by myself. People said I was crazy, but I became very comfortable in the outdoors. I, I feel like it's home. So uh, it's kind of my, my hiking journey. <laughs> and I believe Matt um, made a, a, a film about that trip that you guys took together and the, and the hike. Yes. Uh, he and I are hoping to uh, hike the Appalachian Trail starting in March or April, depending, depending on my knee. Uh, he's going to go with or without me, but uh, we'll see. That's awesome. Um, Diamond, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Wow. You know, I agonized over this answer because I question all the time, who am I today? <laughs> but um, I'm in Baltimore City where I grew up. I have a background in environmental science. I have been an environmental educator for the last 10 years. 
Um, during the pandemic, I switched to using social media as a method of environmental education, and it really sets my heart on fire these days. So I enjoy creating content that's fun, that shows where I am and what I'm doing and how I'm learning. And it's gotten to the point where I next week will be traveling because my dream is to have an adventure travel show about science. And so I am shooting my own pilot very soon. That is so awesome. And I can't wait to share that um, on the show when, once it's out. We'll definitely share that with our listeners. That that sounds so cool. <laughs> um, Edith. Hello, everyone. Um, I am, like Serena said, I'm recovering from coronavirus right now. Um, I am an environmental scientist uh, with the Department of Fish and Wildlife in California State. And um, a lot of what I do is I spend my time thinking about biology, uh, you know, reading about it, writing about it. Um, Even on my time off, I am obsessed with learning all the species that are, you know, in the habitats nearby. And so I truly am just in love with science and biology. And um, I sort of started um, sort of my hiking sort of adventures about 15 years ago. And Mo had a huge impact on um, my competence out in the wilderness. And, um, you know, she taught me how to backpack and and she taught me how to survive out in the, in, in the Olympic National Forest and uh, the National Park. And so uh, I'm just really happy to be part of the group. Awesome. Uh, with that introduction, Mo, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah. So I'm, I'm Mo and um, I work as a fisheries geneticist for the Department of Fish and Wildlife here in Washington State. Uh, I've been doing that for about 20 years. I was, my um, training, uh, graduate training is in marine invertebrate ecology. And so this was kind of the closest fit I could get a job in, but I've really enjoyed it because it's gotten me outdoors. Well, it's got me sitting in front of a computer most of the time, but it's motivated me to get outdoors and see where the, see where the salmon live. And I've gone up all the tributaries that I work in and it's been really fun. I have always just wanted to be outside since I was a little tiny kid. And by the time I was a teenager, <laughs> the Catholic Youth Organization in Seattle had a had a hiking program for, for teenagers where we would go out into the Olympics or the Cascades for like a, a week with these camp counselors and, and probably just terrorized everybody around us because we had like 20 screaming girls in a, in a group. But that kind of got me started. And then I, I did a program with the University of Santa Cruz in my early 20s, where we went out for months at a time for an environmental studies program. We were backpacking for up to 16 days at a, at a go in the Southwest desert. And so I fell in love with the desert and learned how to be a long distance uh, backpacker at that time. And, and I carried, I've carried those skills from, the, from my teen hiking and my, um, that course all my life. And so I, I kind of lived to be outside backpacking in the summer, skiing in the winter and finding mushrooms in the, on the shoulder seasons. So, and Edith was one of my wonderful disciples who <laughs> listened to what I said. And it was so much fun to take Edith out on a, on a backpacking trip. She was in so much pain 
And she, <laughs> but she, you could just see how much joy it brought her to be out there. And it was just, we sat in a meadow and watched marmots and had, it was just so wonderful. So anyhow, we still, she still comes up to look at marmots with me sometimes when she can. So it's, it's been great. So awesome. Um, um, Hannah. Well, so I'm Hannah. I'm originally from the UK. Um, I became a biologist because I wanted to be outside. And then I got a really desk-based job that I loved. And I got very kind of caught up in city life for the first five, six years of my career, uh, working as an author um, and researcher. And then realised that I needed to get outside. (laughs) Um, So I decided to quit my job and um, move to Australia, as you do, and um, just really revived the love for the outdoors that my mum had really instilled on me at a really young age that I'd almost kind of forgotten about. (laughs) Um, And spent two years in Australia just really building on that love and then moved to New Zealand after that where I got stuck because of COVID um, and it was a good place to be during the pandemic so that's when I really sort of ramped things up and started going on four five six day hikes on my own um, into the wilderness and watching lots of instructional videos on YouTube um, to make sure that I was being safe and getting lots of um, advice from other people but now um, it's all I can think about doing it's just what I want to do every single day Um, and yeah it's it's led me into lots of new passions that I never knew that I had Um, And I feel like once you start doing one outdoors activity, you meet people that are doing all of these other ones and then you want to do all of those. So, yeah, I'm kind of just more excited for my future and what it's going to hold now that I have refound this love for the outdoors. So, yeah. (laughs) Incredible. As you can tell, the experience and knowledge in this collective group of women should intimidate you. I think a lot about STEM fields and women not having access and just all the barriers in place. And and I I feel like all of us made it. You know what I mean? Like we pushed past and we we did the thing to get where we wanted to go. So um, I'm really proud of all of us. But um, yeah, I kind of wanted to just start this conversation with um, I I would not consider myself a solo hiker by any means. Um, I do hike by myself, but I wouldn't call myself a solo hiker. I like hiking with other people. Um, I feel safer hiking with other people. Um, And I can talk a little bit about that sort of that feeling of anxiety. I live in a pretty white area um, up here in Tahoe. And so there's not a lot of people of color up here. And um, that in and of itself can feel very othering. But I know being a woman can feel very othering too. Has that been your experience with hiking by yourself? Do you feel safe in the outdoors? Do you feel comfortable in the outdoors? Has it been sort of a progression where you maybe started out not feeling safe and then, you know, found your comfort level? What has that been like for for you guys? Um, When I first started, like I I remember having this like moment of terror when I was, I was up in a, a lake in Montana and I was by myself and I'm like, oh my God. And then I thought, I'm just as safe by myself as if I had other people here. 
And then, and I kind of, I sort of like negotiated that fear and I've never felt it since. Like I've always, the only time I'm fearful is uh, one time I was, I was taking a friend of mine on her first backpacking trip in the, in the Smokies. And, and I thought that we were in a really isolated area, but we were on a reservoir. And so there were, there was boat access into these remote sites. And I'm like, oh shit, because I, I guess I shouldn't say that, but oh no. You can say shit. It's okay. Because <laughs> yeah. there was, this is like, you know, this is the Appalachian Mountains and I'm with a, I'm with a, a Chinese woman. And, and so it's like, yeah, that we're already kind of operating a deficit. And then, um, and then we see these, these guys, I'm like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to hide in the bushes so they don't see that we're here. And so we just, whenever boats went by, we just concealed ourselves and then, and we were fine. Um, and that's, that's, and then I've seen guys when I've been um, backpacking in other remote areas and they've had uh, firearms with them. But so I always talk to them and I'll just like, hey, what you doing? And oh, are you seeing any animals? And just uh, be friendly with them so that I can check them out to see if I need to be fearful. And I've never needed to be fearful because they're they're just they're hunters and they're looking for game. And so we just talk about that and and that's fine. So that's that's kind of it's sort of an evolution but i always am aware of what's going on and and um as we all are i think i am not a solo hiker i prefer to be on the trail with either a group that i'm leading or with my partner or with someone else besides me and it's not because i'm afraid to be alone it's more so this cultural, this generational fear that Black people have out being outside that's been ingrained in me since I was so young that, you know, I've, I didn't even think to want to hike alone, you know? And so now I'm sitting here like, oh, maybe, maybe I, I should try it. But as I think that anxiety takes over me because the rhetoric of it not being safe, not from, you know, animals or anything, but from other people being out there that mean us harm prevents me from wanting to try to hike alone or do things alone. But when I'm in the wilderness, because I do pack, backpack and we have our solo nights, which I enjoy, that completely fades away. And so I question how much of it is real, like an actual fear that I have, or just something, a belief system that I, I need to let go. Diamond, I, I completely empathize with that. I feel like it, at least for me, hiking solo, it feels almost like you're not supposed to do it. Like it's this unlearning that you have to do where it feels, yeah, every everything that society teaches us is real um, with with valid evidence, right? Like there are reasons why we feel so much anxiety when we go out into the outdoors, but it's this this active unlearning that has to happen in your brain in order to like get you to do the thing. And I still feel anxious. I, I still like I still carry that anxiety. And I've had plenty of my friends tell me, you know, statistically, and, and I'm not afraid of, of wildlife either. Like you like you said, I'm, I'm definitely more afraid of, of other humans, uh, particularly um, men. So um, I, I completely empathize with that. I don't want to go off too much off topic, but I just yesterday learned of a study um, 
where like uh, fear, generational fear, it, it like it has turned on in our DNA. And so even though you like, let's just say that you would have grown up and, and no one would have taught you these things, it's still in your DNA to be afraid of things that have harmed uh, your family, your, you know, your great grandparents generations and generations ago. So um, I just, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want you guys to think that it's all learned. I think it's also in ourselves. That's a really good point, Edith. Um, yeah, they've done all kinds of studies on just trauma response and generational trauma and how that affects um, our bodies, particularly black women who are, um, you know, giving birth. That that was a really crazy study about like sort of that um, ingrained fight or flight response of like daily living as a black person, as a black woman, um, sort of taking its toll on your physical body um, and, you know, Im- impacting your um, basically like the fetus inside your body and, and it can have adverse effects. So, yeah, I mean, that that's that's been documented. Um, there's evidence to back that up that, you know, that fear sits with us and is real and, and does a lot of damage, you know, in our minds and in our bodies. So um, that's a really good point. You know, I um, tend to be really stubborn. And um, uh, sometimes when I think about doing certain things by myself, uh, if it's a very difficult hike or it's a place that I've never visited before, I do get a lot of anxiety, not because I am afraid of people. I think I tend to worry about um, sort of conditions and what I'm going to experience. And like, do I have the skills to keep myself from not getting cold and, and uh, not getting lost? Um I also sort of have like some infirmities, like my knees hurt and I have like a herniated back and I have all these sort of things that I'm like, okay, like, is this still within my capability? I think that um, without Mo being an example for me, uh, I probably wouldn't have done as much as I've done now. I had hiked before by myself, before I met Mo, um, but I've since gone backpacking by myself uh, and I tend to do sort of more exploratory, uh, you know, going to trails that, um, that I've never been to that people that I, I don't know anyone that's done them either. And so I don't really have a very big group of people that like to do outdoor things. So I actually, a lot of the times I actually am more comfortable doing things by myself because I know what I can do. And then I don't have to worry about keeping other people safe, keeping them warm, keeping them not from being lost. And so um, I actually do really enjoy doing things by myself. Of course, it's nice to be with other people, but um, I do tend to get sort of more joy out of doing something if I'm on my own because I don't have to worry about anybody else. I totally get that. I totally get that. I, I do a lot of long day hikes solo and the anxiety that I feel the night before is crazy. I make myself nuts. Um, about any little detail that I can think of to make myself nuts about. Um, and then I get on the trail and it just melts away. And, uh, and then I'm like, oh yeah, this is why I do this. Like I, it comes back, you know, um, but fear can be, uh, really hard to deal with. So for the, um, going back to what you said, Edith, um, that, the, that feeling of confidence out in the wild, you know, um, I think that's also something that's ingrained in us just in general is to, 
to mute our confidence at every turn. Um, just the way that things are structured in society, we second guess ourselves, we question ourselves, even if we're the most qualified person in the room. And I know that all of us have probably felt that way. Um, where even if we are that person, we're still like, ah, you know, I don't know, you know, ha- has that come up for you while you're hiking? And how have you overcome that? I guess, um, Hannah, I know you had a, you told me a story of you on this sea cliff, doing some crazy things and um, maybe uh, (laughs) what happens when we're overly confident too. (laughs) I mean, um, what I was going to say about confidence is that um, I feel like for me, confidence comes from being able to get myself out of a situation. (laughs) And obviously you don't want to get into the situation in the first place, but being prepared for it, being trained, being aware um of when a situation occurs you like oh hold on I know exactly how to get myself out of this situation and obviously I'm not saying to any for anybody to get themselves into any dangerous situations in the first place but a lot of my confidence um with hiking on my own has come from being in a slightly um nerve-wracking situation where I think oh hold on I've got all every single thing that I need to get myself out of this situation and resolving it instantly and then carrying on with your hike and and actually then looking back at it and thinking oh my gosh I just did that and that gives you so much confidence and I think having being in the outdoors over a certain period of time you're going to get yourself into a situation whether regardless of what that situation is depending on where you are in the world could be anything and being prepared for that and being able to get yourself out of that situation is such a big confidence booster and I think as well like going back to the thing about going on your own I waited for so long to get a partner or a friend that was into the outdoors as much as I was just waiting 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 for this person to appear and I would have been waiting for the rest of my life I could have been um waiting for the rest of my life to find that person to go and do this stuff with and I'd had enough so that's why I went and decided to train myself in all these things to get the right kit to make sure that I was really really prepared for any of these situations and now I can just do it on my own. And I feel quite confident doing that. Yeah, I I think that's huge, right? Like our our collective experience. And um, I I just love um, Mo and Edith, your relationship is sort of like um, mentor, mentee. And that's so important too, I think. Um, Like, (laughs) like one thing I keep going back to is, um, so I live in Tahoe, super snowy place. I don't ski. I've done it a couple times and it's been kind of fun, but I don't like the crowds. And I also feel like, you know, as an adult and you go and do this activity that, you know, like five-year-olds are doing better than you because they've been doing it their whole, you know, it's like, (laughs) I feel very intimidated. So it's great to have mentors that can, um, you know, push your, push your limits and encourage you to, to facilitate that confidence within yourself. But it's also possible to do on your own. Like you said, Hannah and, and Candy and Diamond, like you guys have kind of, it's, it's this inherent need to, to want to be outside that kind of, pushed you forward to make make it happen um because yeah you like you can't wait for somebody else to make it happen for you um but Mo and Edith I kind of want to go back to you guys can you talk a little bit about like that relationship that you guys do have and and why that is so important and and Edith how 
just, I guess, formative that was for you into getting you to where you are right now? And Mo, if you had a a mentor that helped you. Yeah, I feel that um, Mo changed my life. I think that um, I remember we were like in the back of somebody's car, one of our coworkers, we had gone to our usual Friday lunch outing. And I remember just I had just started working in the in the lab and I had only been in Washington state for about a month and month and a half. I'd never been there, but I went to work there. And I remember mentioning in the car, I don't even know why I mentioned it, but I said, I really want to visit this place called the Enchanted Valley. And it actually lives up to its name, but it requires backcountry skills. It, requ- it is such a long to do it in a day, it would be like over 26 miles or something. And I knew that that's probably not going to happen in a day. Uh, so I remember Mo just sort of like looking over at me and she was like, oh, I'll take you out. <laughs> and um, that little like split a couple of minutes, I think, has had such a profound impact on my life. Um, ooh, I like sort of want to get a little teary. I grew up in... Um, Southern California, my, uh, I didn't actually go camping for the first time until I was about 20 years old. And so when I met Mo, I was in my uh, late 20s. And now because of her for the last 10, 11 years, um, I've had such beautiful experiences. Edith, that was beautiful. And and Mo, your your response to that? Yeah, I actually totally remember that. That, that trip, we were going out to whatever that crappy place is that we used to get burgers on Friday. Ugh. And, uh, but yeah, and Edith said she wanted to go backpacking. I'm like, yeah, I'll take you. Cause I, I do, even though like people think I'm like this badass cause I'm off backpacking on my own and going into remote places. I still really enjoy taking people out on their first trip or taking, taking people out for a while until they get comfortable. Cause I, it's, you know, I, I was taught how to do this. I wasn't born knowing how to do this. And I, I love increasing women. Like you get so much um, physically and emotionally and mentally by being out outdoors and humans need to connect nature and on and on and on. So anyhow, I was like eager and ready to take Edith out. And so the first thing we did was uh, we went up to Marmot Pass, which is, it's a difficult hike. It's a very... It, but it was, I thought, for the biggest bang for the buck, it's like five miles to a very beautiful area with beautiful animals. And but it was tough. It was really tough. And Edith's feet just like came off because her boots were too tight. And but she didn't complain. She did take pictures nonstop. So it was like we're having to go at this glacial speed so that Edith <laughs> could look at every single thing. It was so much fun to to see her enjoying herself and. It was, it was really great, but it's like, what do we eat? Well, here's a cliff bar. And, and I was trying to like prepare her to, 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 to be out there, but it was just like, you never really know what you need until you're out there for real. And you may like some people bring all their fears with them. And Edith just brought all her curiosity and wanting to learn with her so it's like she didn't quite have enough food and and I think her sleeping bag wasn't quite warm enough and things like that but it was it was still fine it was she learned she learned a lot and then the next spring we did the Enchanted Valley which is just this absolutely gorgeous place in 
in Washington State. And you have to have skills to get in there. We did a base. I have a way of doing it that's that's really workable for people who are not like totally hardcore. You can go into a base camp six miles in, then we do a mega day hike for about 15 miles. But Edith had gotten herself in shape and and we did that. Didn't we do that with Audrey? Yeah. We yeah. did. And yeah. um, there had been a really, you know, bad storm in the winter. And so we actually had to like crawl. And yeah, like, I have a bunch of pictures of that hike because there was these massive, massive trees, trees that had fallen, that had on, fallen the on the trail. So we're just yeah. like up and under. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, Audrey, who's another friend, a friend of mine from from Washington, well, and Edith's she hadn't, she had two little boys and she hadn't been out uh, ever on anything more. I took them all out for a, like a mile and a half backpack with the little, little tiny guys, you know, the four-year-olds and six-year-olds. And we went a mile and they, you know, had to carry the kids halfway, but it was great. And so she, she loves, she's like Edith as far as just absolutely loves being outside. So the three of us did this hike together and it was, it was just so much fun. And it was a, uh, sufficiently difficult and challenging that it's like you learn how like it's a 26 mile round trip hike but the way we did it it's like oh well we could do this in a long weekend and and just sort of just a lot of skills were were involved there and and those guys just did great and it was having people like I take people out and and they complain bitterly about (laughs) some things that are happening and you know it's like it's raining yeah it's raining um, it's Washington and it rains and, you know, things like that. It's like, well, okay, deal with it. But Edith and Audrey just like zero complaints and just loving everything. And, and there was, it did rain and you guys were kind of like, what do we do? And I said, we put on our jackets and we keep hiking (laughs) and we did. And, and the Valley, when we get up to the Valley, it was like extra beautiful because it's this flat Valley with these steep sides that go up a couple thousand feet and right at that time of the year there's these waterfalls the whole valley has waterfalls coming down and in the rain it's like extra beautiful because you're in the rainforest and it was kind of misty and and dark green and oh so pretty so anyhow it was so much fun to share that valley with with Edith and with Audrey and now it's become Audrey's I go to hike where we took her teenage son there and, and she's brought friends there. So it's, it's really, really cool to, to get people out there and, and increasing the, the fun. I just want to mention one thing that was Audrey's first time leaving her two young sons uh, since she had given birth. So her kids were probably like in the five-ish year old and um she hadn't been out backpacking since before yeah. she had had them so I think uh, it was sort of like a, almost like a rebirth for her too to just yeah. be able to reconnect uh, to that part of her life yeah 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 and to be able to to leave her kids behind and make her husband deal with them for, for a couple of days was a, was a great thing yeah um Diamond and Candy I want to come to you guys on this sort of note of mentorship, and Diamond, I'll, I'll come to you first. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that for you? What is motivating you to to take folks out into the wild with you? What joy that brings you, what that does for you, and, and kind of what your goal is when you do that and when you go out? 
Sure. I can totally attest to the importance of mentorship, especially having a woman there with you to lead you. The first time I went backpacking, I came into the experience with very little outdoor exposure. I had gone camping exactly one time for this forestry course that I was taking in college. I didn't, I wasn't a hiker. I don't even know how I made it through that first backpacking trek, to be honest. But I had Edith's spirit. I was very eager. I was very excited um, to experience something like that coming from a city. And my guide was this little tiny woman, probably like five, five, I'm four, nine. So I'm also really tiny. And I said, man, if she can do it, I can do it. And her maternal nurturing energy was the exact thing that I needed to feel safe and assured to try on something that I had never really heard of. And no one in my family had done either. So that really changed my life. That first backpacking trip changed my life because I had someone to guide me that we could, we just vibed. It was a vibe the entire time. And I remember the last couple of days we were going over our last pass, topping at maybe 11,000 feet. And we were following this really tiny goat trail along the ridge. It was very scary. And since I trusted the guide so much, I said, well, if she says that it's safe, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and get through this. The group fell apart because we couldn't all handle it, but she handled it in such a, a great way. And we decided to go back the way we came and sat on the mountaintop to take a couple of deep breaths to, to calm down. And as I was sitting there on the top of a mountain, I'm, I'm looking at the, the Sawtooth Mountain mountains ridgeline you know in the horizon and all these butterflies start to hatch from around me on top of a mountain and it was a pure exaltation that I felt in that moment and so when I'm guiding others you know my goal is just to allow them to experience something beautiful I'm I don't really try to um set any expectations for them. I address any concerns that they may have, but I really just allow the people that are with me to experience it as they will, because it's their moment. And it's the moment that they, they need and, and it's their own. So yeah, mentorship is key. And, and Candy, you are the wonderful mother to our producer, Matt Podolsky. And Matt's entire career life is now dedicated to conservation and the environment. And I know that you had a huge hand in that. And, you know, you're doing these mother-son hikes together over the years and you're planning another one. So I guess if you could talk a little bit about what that was like for you raising Matt and, you know, going outside, wanting to encourage this wonder and the same feeling in him and, and what that's like for you now? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I did not have a mentor. I wish I had. It would have been lovely. Um, but Matthew and I bonded over our love for hiking. Um, I, you know, I was busy. I had a crazy job running a preschool. It was just, I didn't have a lot of time, but whenever we could get out there, we did. And we kind of learned together. 
Um, it was definitely, uh, you know, there were a lot of mistakes made along the way, a lot of blisters, um, but it didn't seem to matter. So we just always made time for each other to do that because it's hard to find, you know, it's hard in suburbia to find somebody who wants to go into the wilderness and hike with you, you know, so that was hard. But yeah, we, we sort of learned the hard way um, how to do it. And then I started to realize that I had to take a more active role in uh, planning it. You know, I had to be, I had to be uh, the mom who made sure my son didn't get injured, you know, so I learned, you know, I learned and, and really that was all before the internet. So it wasn't as easy to find the information that you're looking for, but I picked everyone's brain you know, and started to, started to learn. And, uh, Matthew, um, you know, as he was, as he was maturing, was doing the same kind of thing. He was out there with his friends and learning. So we shared ideas and it was, uh, we sort of grew together with that. It was amazing. I I think it's just, yeah, no, I I'm so jazzed about, um, the bond that you guys have and, and have cultivated over the years. It's, it's truly, I don't know that that's what if I ever have a kid like that's that's what I want to instill in them as well. But you know, that makes me think about like, as women, we and and I just wanted to find women as anyone who identifies as a woman, by the way, just period. Um, as a woman, there's this thing about asking for help. There's this thing about asking for help and wanting to also appear competent. But there's also like, I think there's an inherent want to exchange ideas to get as much information as we can to um yeah to to share and engage with each other and i think that that just personally i think that that is a sort of a trait that's not um encouraged i guess in a lot of ways at least in my job you know you want to appear as competent as as possible and and you you want to be um it's it, it, there's just a lot wrapped up in that and so i think it's really great all of all of you have mentioned like if even if you didn't have a mentor but you were asking questions and you were um you know getting information and you were um willing to share willing to admit your you know your limitations and i i think that that is what makes us really amazing but also i think can make us feel self-conscious um and coming back to that idea of, of confidence and um you know just just wanting to have as much confidence as possible but I guess, how would we encourage more women in the outdoors outside of mentorship and that kind of thing? Like, I guess I still feel like there's a lot of barriers um, and a lot of things in our way. Mo and Candy, do you think that that's changed over the years? Do you think that we have more access now? Do you think it's you know, like a more welcoming place for women? Do you feel like we've achieved something? That's a really good question. Um, I'm not sure that I know the answer. Uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, sometimes uh, the issues that I've run into are because of my age. You know, people questioning, why, why are you on this trail? Do you, do you know this trail is really steep? Um, are you sure you're safe? 
And uh, it makes me just absolutely crazy. Um, but I don't know. I think, I think that there's less surprise uh, seeing women outdoors than there used to be. Um, so I do think that we've, we've come a ways, um, not far enough, but we've come a ways. Um, you know, my, my negative experiences have been very minimal. I, I would be, uh, I'm more comfortable in the woods than I am walking on a city street, you know, but good question. Yeah. I think the more we're out there, the more it normalizes seeing women out there. When I was younger, I've been solo hiking and since I was 18 and I'm in my mid sixties now. So at first there was like, there was never, ever another single woman out there, but um, gradually I've, I've been seeing women on their own now and more younger women on their own. So, so I think that women are gradually finding, um, finding, figuring out how to do it on their own. And I work with a, I do a lot of volunteer work with the Washington Trails Association, which is we go out and clear out those old growth trees that have fallen over the trail through the winter storms and, and trails that have washed out and things like that to, to make, make all the trails accessible for everyone and, and clean them up um, and, and build new trails and things. And, and one of the other things, so by doing that, um, the volunteers, like there'll be 20 people in a group and there'll be people who like to hike, but they've never backpacked in those groups. And, and sometimes they have, a um, they'll, they'll be overnight. We, we can only go in so far in a day. So there'll be overnight trips where, um, we go in with backpacking gear and we camp and then we, and we, uh, work on trails a little bit deeper in. And so people, that's a really good way for people to learn how to backpack because they've got this quorum of people around them that can help them with whatever they need. And we, we do an all women's uh, team uh, usually once a summer where we go in. And so that's a great way for um, the age span <laughs> ranged from like 20 to 75 last year. It was, it was really great. And so it's, I can see it sort of, you know, just these little tendrils going out um, to try and foster foster women's outdoor experiences and, and everybody's as well. And one of the things with the Washington Trails is that they've been building coalitions with various other organizations to, so they, uh, like there's a, let's see, I think it's Girls Walk, maybe it's the Black Women's Outdoor Organization. And then there's uh, Latinos Outdoors. And, and so the Washington Trails has a gear library that provides backpacks and stoves and sleeping bags and and boots and uh, rain gear and all these things that that people don't have in in you know like I just kind of cobbled together whatever I could find in the basement of our house when I was a kid from you know the Boy Scout stuff of my brothers and things like that. But a lot of people, it's you know those are the limiting factor. One of the limiting factors is just the the gear to get out there with decent boots and a backpack and, and a tent and a sleeping bag and. And, you know, there's, there's very, you can do it with a very basic minimum, but you do have to have a way to eat and a way to sleep and a way to walk uh, safely. So I think hopefully that's, that's introducing young people to outdoor experiences wherever they are in, in, in the Pacific Northwest uh, from high schools and junior highs and things. And, and then also opening it up for, for women and their 
they're um, and the Washington Trail specifically tries to they're, they're they have a diversity, equity, and inclusion, and you know that that whole that's they're very serious about it and including um, people with disabilities as well. Anyhow, I think awareness and then awareness having people out there of all representing all different abilities and groups and uh, and also having access to the to what people need transportation as well as the gear. Ahead of this week's episode, I reached out to listeners and friends wanting to get a sense of what their experiences have been like hiking alone as a woman. And I got this amazing response back from Christy Choi as she shares a story about hiking alone in Joshua Tree as an Asian American woman. I'm a Korean American filmmaker who loves to travel and hike alone. Hiking is my sacred time for generating creative intentions, thinking about new questions. I protect hiking time for myself as much as I protect my sleep or time with loved ones or time to work. And especially when I'm in the middle of a busy period, hiking is my way of resting my brain and maintaining my mental health. I have a story that I like to share when people ask me what it's like to hike in remote areas alone, especially as a woman of color. I was actually in Joshua Tree the week that the Atlanta spa shootings happened. I was spending every day pretty much without my phone on, no access to the internet, really immersed in the park and hiking a lot alone. And I was blissed out. It was incredible. I felt really rested and I was really enjoying myself. And so I didn't actually find out about the news of the murderous uh, hate crimes um, until I turned on my phone. I think it was the day after the shootings had happened. And so I was flooded with messages and news alerts and, you know, just correspondence from fellow Asian folks in my community asking if I was okay, if I needed to process. And people were traumatized and living that out in real time. And I was overwhelmed with sadness because I realized that even though I had a couple of days of feeling so safe and peaceful and um, really, really rested and at home in my own body, meanwhile, in this country where racism, misogyny, neocolonialism all work together, (laughs) a group of Asian women, men who look like my mother, were, were murdered. And so that was just, it just took the wind out of me. And I remember the next day on my hike, I was more suspicious than usual of any passerbys. You know, I'm pretty used to being the only woman of color on trail. And of course, when hate crimes happen, statistically, they actually engender more hate crimes. People get inspired to 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 do to perform more acts of violence when they see something happen. And so I was very paranoid that I was an easy target. I kept looking over my shoulder while I was on trail, which I resented because it meant that once again, white supremacy had robbed me of my freedom and clarity. And even on, you know, even in a more remote area of the country in nature on some of these trails that I was on, the white supremacy still had its hold, right? It still made me feel afraid, made me feel unsafe. 
And that is so frustrating. It, but it's, it's a daily reality of being a woman of color. And usually I hike with limited fear about being harassed or assaulted on trail. Typically, I'm more concerned about getting dehydrated or experiencing sunstroke. But since that ex- experience, I've thought more about hiking safety and I've been researching different tools. And, you know, just the takeaway that I have always is that ultimately us women on trail, us women of color on trail, we need to look out for each other. We need to protect each other. Um, we need to make the trail safe for us. We'll be right back. Earth to Humans is back and better than ever with a slate of guests and topics that we can't wait to share with you. If you like the work that we do here on the show and want to support us so that we can keep bringing you the good stuff, head on over to patreon.com slash earth to humans. For as little as $1 a month, you can support the show in a big way. Patreon subscribers will get access to a range of exclusive ETH content, including our book club, author talks, archived episodes, merch, and more. That's patreon.com slash earth to humans for more information on how you can join this kick-ass community of nature loving weirdos. Like there, there's so many barriers, right? Like it's not the most intuitive thing, especially if you didn't grow up, you know, exposed to the outdoors or camping or hiking or, you know, all, all kinds of outdoor recreation activities. And um, I had a conversation with Rue Mapp once, and she's the founder of Outdoor Afro. And she was talking about how there are so many people out there that just say like, oh, black people don't do this. Black people don't swim. Black people don't this. Black people don't camp. Black people don't hike. Brown people don't hike, you know, and and that's just the stigma attached to that. But but I think what people forget is that there there are systems in place for and reasons for that. Like it's not just that we don't want to do the the things. It's that we haven't had historical access. We don't feel safe. We don't feel valued out there. And so going back to what Candy said about you know being on the trail and seeing more women, and that it's no longer as much of a surprise you know, for people when they see us out on the trail. Um, and Edith and Diamond, I wondered if, if, if you still feel that way, do you, like, I still feel that way. I still feel like, you know, when I'm around the corner and I'm by myself and someone sees me, they're usually like a little, they're like, Oh, that's, that's cool. You know, they're like, good for you. Like, we don't see that very often. Um, but it's it's still not. It, I definitely don't feel like it's normalized yet um, for for POCs. And I, I wonder if if you can maybe share some of those experiences. Do you feel like um, we still have a ways to go on that front? Um, do you feel like you know your your safety is is part of that equation because of the way that you look, or you know, or do you feel do you feel like that's irrelevant on the trail? I think it's all of the above. When I decided to take up environmental science as my undergraduate degree um, and taking that forestry class, I was maybe one of three women in the class of maybe, I don't know, 10. It wasn't very big. But when our professor announced that we would have to go camping to do some field study, I was immediately struck with, 
horror because I had never been camping before and I didn't have any of the things. And he was just going on and on and during the lecture about, you know, what to bring, what to expect, as if everyone knew what was going on and I surely did not. So I had to go to his office hours nearly in tears to admit that, like, I don't know what's going on. But I was very surprised in the way that all the bros rallied around me and they gave me their extra stuff. So I had a sleeping bag, I had a sleeping pad, and I was taken care of. So I think, yes, we have a ways to go in making sure that everyone has access and feels comfortable in the outdoors, though I will say that there are resources out there now and more than ever. Um, You know, I tend to be in my own little world when I'm out there, and I do Uh, I did learn from Mo to greet people and to talk about the conditions of the trail and like, you know, what's up ahead, what's behind. And um, I haven't really noticed anyone having a particular reaction to me. I I think I, I I probably am white passing. And so I don't think I might, I don't think I may look super out of, out of place to some people. Um, I do, I do have um, sort of in my journey to find people that like to do the same kinds of things. Several years ago, uh, I signed up to a, with a meetup group and it was an overnight, two nights in San Jacinto State Park. And um, I don't remember the makeup of the group, but I do remember that the person who ended up hiking with me um, was a cop who was a Trump supporter and was very loud about how supportive um, they were of the president at the time. And I actually have never felt as unsafe as I did on that trip. And so I actually vowed to never go out with a meetup group again. And um, it's sort of, uh, I I don't know, it was just sort of like such a a gut reaction that I didn't want to be so like, if I was going to be out, I didn't want to be out with people who had those sorts of beliefs. And um, just recently, because I want to start doing more off trail work, I want to or I want to do some more cross country travel and do some more scrambling. I've decided that I actually need to get some more, you know, sort of low level mountaineering experience. And in this sort of like I'm having to come to the to the realization that I'm going to need some more help. And so I've signed up for the wilderness travel course with the Sierra Club out of the Los Angeles chapter. Um, I went out with them before I even knew about the course. I went out with them a few uh, weeks ago to do a cross-country hike in Joshua Tree National Park. And the group was very lovely. Uh, They had a huge span of ages. I was one I mean, it was like 13 of us total. And as far as I could tell, maybe there was um, three minorities in the group. And um, I ended up talking to the other Latina in the group. And it turns out that she had like done the PCT by herself a a couple of years ago and was planning to do all these um, like really like gnarly hikes uh, in this country and in other countries. And I talked about, we sort of both talked about wanting to do some um, volcano hiking in Mexico. And in Mexico, it's like a whole other women don't hike by themselves in Mexico. You actually don't even, you have to hire a guide. There's like this whole thing associated with doing outdoor stuff in Mexico. And anyhow, I'm sort of rambling here, but I uh, am in this wilderness travel course. I 
again, am one of maybe a handful, if maybe not even a couple of people of color in this class in one of the most diverse areas of California. Um, so it, again, I'm sort of in this surrounded by people that don't have very similar experiences to me, um, but uh, I'm sort of, uh, we're all there because we like to do the same things and hopefully we can learn from each other and, and um, it'll be a better experience hopefully than, than the meetup group that I last participated in. Diamond, I, I, I think that I, I was surprised to hear that all the bros kind of rallied and, and gave you gear like that. That gives me hope. That gives me so much hope that, um, but it, it kind of made me think uh, kind of but what Hannah was saying is she didn't want to wait around for something to happen. Like she just kind of took charge and she was like, I, you know, it's not happening. I need to make it happen. Um, but as far as sort of like safety and acceptance and because men dominate the trails and they dominate outdoor activities and recreation and just all of these things that we love, um, do you think that the onus is on men to kind of shift the needle as far as talking to other men, working with other men and, and talking amongst themselves to kind of heal some of these issues? Um, or do you think that we would just be waiting forever for that to happen and um, ch change wouldn't happen if we just don't go out and do it ourselves? Or do you think that there is some sort of responsibility um, for men to kind of break down those barriers for us? Well, I think that we as individuals should take control and the power of our own lives and, and stand firm in the things that we want to do no matter what. And systemically, we need to address that there are pockets of people that have possessed a lot of power for too long and that power needs to be disseminated. And so we all have our responsibilities to make sure that our society is functioning in a way that's healthy for everyone, men, women included. And I was just having a conversation with my partner recently, and I asked him if when women aren't around, if he hears his friends saying things about women, does he um, stand up for them? And he said, absolutely. And so I do trust that there are those types of men in the world doing the work on our behalf. And also as women or anyone, however you identify, go for it no matter what, safely. I love that. I love that so much. Um, Edith and I call, <laughs> as you were sort of mentioning, um, you know, like the, that there are those good men out there. Edith and I call them unicorns because we are both single and haven't had the best luck when it comes to men, I guess, and, and dating. So um, yeah, Hannah too. <laughs> so we're all kind of like, oh man, I like, I know they exist, but like, where are you guys? Like, you know, I, I want, I want them to, um, you know, speak up as your partner does and, and just be, be proactive and, and recognize that even, yeah, even if we're not there, it's important for the, I, I guess the psyche of, of the other men that you're with to, to just make sure that you're not letting, letting um, sexism slide or racism slide or whatever it is. Like we all have to hold each other accountable. Um, any other, any other responses to that question? I think it's really clear. Well, to me anyway, 
behaviors that make another person feel uncomfortable like I've been traveling on my own for almost four years now partially living kind of van life and being approached by a man and being asked if you're traveling on your own being stared at being given help that you didn't need or ask for um and these kind of behaviors it's it's clear I would think that when those behaviours are displayed and a person is obviously feeling uncomfortable, that that should indicate to you as a person that you don't then repeat that behaviour. So I think just being a decent human being, it's not just in the outdoors, it's in every everywhere, no matter where you are, indoors, outdoors, wherever, just keeping that behaviour going and just, I don't know, just thinking about... Um, when you are going to approach a a person who is on their own, I've been freaked out a few times by, and it's always by a single man coming up to you and asking weird questions. So if that is going to be a situation like that, that can be stopped before it happens. So just having that awareness um, and not freaking women out so that they then feel like they can't do what they want to do would be great. Yeah, but there's part of me that's like, yeah, that would be great. And I'm just an anxious person, I guess, because I haven't really gotten the vibe from any of you. Well, you know, it sounds like there have been situations where you have felt uncomfortable or felt unsafe. But in general, it sounds like the majority of your time spent outside by yourself or in a group has felt relatively safe. Um but I guess so like I, there's this book that I love called The Gift of Fear and it's all about how women need to trust our intuition and that we have this gift of fear that we just don't always listen to and we have this this gut sense that we don't always listen to. And so he kind of breaks down in this book all of these different scenarios of, you know, horrible things that have happened to to some of these um, some of his patients, some of these women, um, you know, violence, assaults, that kind of thing. And he kind of breaks down the moment that these women stopped listening to their intuition and stopped listening to their fear. Um, and how if they had, you know, not that it's their fault that they were, you know, assaulted by these these men, but that um, when you are sort of like, faced with a situation like that, you're on the trail, there's a, a strange man asking you weird questions, like you have to listen to your fear. And um, he he has these different categories of, of, of existing. So there's like condition white, which is like, you're just, you know, chilling on the couch, not a care in the world, you're not aware of your surroundings at all. There's condition yellow, um, you know, which is sort of like you, you're aware of your situation, your surroundings, but you're still kind of like enjoying your time. But you, you know, you definitely have like, you know, a finger on the pulse of like what's going on. And then, um, there's con- condition orange and red, what, you know, it just goes further and further. And I do feel like on the trail, I'm always at least condition yellow. Like I never feel like I'm condition white where I'm just like, loving it in the moment feeling like unless I'm you know at the the destination the spot that I want to get to um and I'm I know I'm by myself but I I still feel this like and and it sounds like it's just me maybe but um I still feel like um almost this ingrained survival mode in me constantly and I don't know if it's something that I should want to get rid of or not or if I'm not enjoying myself as much as I could be, but 
anyone else sort of <laughs> feeling any anything similar to what I'm what I'm anyone smell what I'm stepping in I guess is what I want to ask <laughs> um yes I understand that and don't beat yourself up about that uh it it took uh the death of my husband to get me out there by myself um I was totally afraid to do that I and I I didn't hike as much as I wanted to because I had this fear uh of going out alone um, but then, you know, once I realized what a healing thing it was and Matthew and I did that long distance hike together, uh, it just really changed my whole perspective. Uh, it became, you know, the place where I wanted to be and the place where, uh, whenever anything was going crazy in my life, that's where I wanted to be. So it was an evolution, I would say, but, um, brought on by, a you know, an unfortunate event, but it, it, there's no rules. If you would be more comfortable, find other people to go with, you know, there's, you don't have to make yourself crazy. There's, you know, it's, it's supposed to be fun. And, you know, so maybe go a little slower. You don't have to make it a, a, you don't have to have a rule that says, you know, that you say to yourself, I really, uh, I really want to get there. Um, you know, how about just, I want to take this little baby step, whatever that would be, you know, and go that way. And if, if you don't get there, it doesn't matter. You know, what matters is that you're outside enjoying yourself. I think that inner sense that something is maybe off is natural and that that's something that should be trusted, but I don't think that it should be a point of fixation because I do think it can go too far. And I experienced that when uh, backpacking with a good girlfriend of mine and we were having a a fine time and it was two of us together and a a single man approached us and he had some questions about where we had found water. And it was a very casual encounter, but she was so spooked by encountering this man. And I don't know what it was, but her paranoia was contagious. And then I started tripping and looking behind me and wondering if I was okay. So though I do think it's perfectly natural and that you should be tapped into your instincts, into your gut, don't let it cloud the experience of having a good time. Yeah, no, I I think that's um, really, really good advice. Um, Yeah, I I think... um, I think I want to get to a point though. Like I, I love hiking by myself. It's, it's sort of like, I just wish the world was different as the best way I can explain it. Like I, I love being an empath, but the world is so harsh, you know? And so like sometimes being an empath sucks. Sometimes being a woman sucks. Um, but, but I think that's really good advice. Like baby steps, um, feeling out your own comfort level, um, you know, going out with, with, with friends, with other folks that you feel comfortable with, um, you know, to try to get yourself out there. And then, and then maybe that is something that you can dip your toes into. But um, if you could say something to, um, you know, folks that are, you know, maybe getting started, we, we talked about a lot of, a lot of the access issues and there are a lot of resources out there. So, you know, if you, if you don't have gear, if you don't have a mentor, there are those, those ways that where you can find people and find, um, you know, these things that you would need to get started. But I guess sort of, spiritually, emotionally, what is it that gets you out there, keeps you going out there? And, and what would you say to encourage more folks to do the same? 
I would say that if someone has a desire to get outside, your first step doesn't have to be very big. Your first step can be going in your backyard and observing the birds that fly through. The other day I felt anxious and I just went in my backyard and laid on the grass and that was good enough for me. And that was a perfectly fine outdoor experience that was valuable and, and important to do for me. And so just start small. Hiking, hiking for me is, is my Zen place. It's, it's where I, I heal from everyday craziness, you know, and, uh, I think that that can be found in many ways and just taking a walk, start slow, you know, see if you can find other people to do it with, because then you, then you can either learn together or you can learn from the other person. Yeah. So like Diamond was, was saying about just experiencing the world around you during when COVID locked us down, I'm obviously somebody who needs to be really active and, and I recruited my other friends that I normally ski with, normally we'd be out on the weekends and, and we, we formed the Ladies Corps of Discovery <laughs> and we started doing these giant hikes all over Olympia is the town that I live in and finding, okay, we're going to find all the old growth rhododendrons in, this, in the city and just finding cool trees in the fall and cool flowers in the spring and ways to get to the beach. and. So it, it was it was really a nice way to connect to our city. And um, so and you can do those kinds of things, you know, with with kids and with people who who need to be on sidewalks. And um, but just getting people out outside, I think is really important. And it's just like how I feel connected to the world is that I'm out there and I can see you know, I was watching the mergansers this morning and it's just and watch the sunrise. And and that's like this, making sure that we, as humans, we are animals and that we connect to our world, that, that, that we're all, we are all a part of this. And, and I think that's really important. And so I, I hope that, that even in, if it's just small ways that, that um, people connect, that they do connect to the world. I was going to say, um, be inspired, like allow yourself to be inspired by other, I, I, get really inspired by other women who are out there doing it who are um I remember moving to a community in New Zealand where it seemed like every single woman that lived in the community was running up mountains and swimming across freezing cold lakes and doing all this stuff and I was like wow okay you're giving me ideas you're giving me ideas and before I knew it I just couldn't stay inside anymore because I just wanted to do all of this stuff and I just had this amazing earth to explore so whether those women live in your community whether they are found through social media they're out there and they just provide this constant source of incredible inspiration including all of the women that have joined us for the this episode today so just find find your inspiration and get out there um well I feel probably the only time I feel really complete in the whole is when I'm outdoors and so um if there are other people that might get that benefit as me, like I'm shoving you out the door now um, because it is like this endless source of just like completeness and it just feels wonderful. I honestly um, don't think about anything else when I'm out there, which is um, awesome. It's just quiet. 
in my mind, <laughs> mostly. Um, I think that what's helped me is just taking um, little steps towards things that are outside of your comfort level. Um, I realized that things that I thought would be really scary or things that I probably wouldn't do. And then I, I just like close my eyes and I jump and I do it. And then I end up feeling really competent and really sort of proud of myself and like, oh man, it like it's the fear and the a lot of it is like in our own selves. And um, so if we just sort of lower that a little bit and then take the leap, I think it really pays off. I've, I've mentored Edith and now Edith is mentoring me with, with all of her lightweight backpacking tricks. Oh, yeah, so nice. I've, I've, <laughs> I've incorporated quite a few of those into my, into my stuff now. I've even got a Mariposa now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's fancy. Since I'm so small, I started off ultralight and I don't know what y'all been doing before that. <laughs> Before that, it was a 54-pound pack for a five-day trip. Yikes. That's not including water. That's if you have water source. Yeah. <laughs> You're down to like 20, 24 or 22 or something. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Edith Martinez, Candy Fridolsky, Hannah Mulvaney, Diamond Clark, and Mo Small. Thank you all so much for this beautiful conversation. Um, I will definitely i feel like very energized leaving this conversation i feel really inspired by all of you thank you so much for your time and we will include um uh, photos on our show notes page of of everyone today um we'll link to socials of of and websites so you can follow um folks that want to be followed and um i i just i think moving forward like on the earth humans podcast i i'm really really thankful for this conversation i want to have more conversations like this and definitely have all of you on the show again at some point so thank you all so much for this conversation <laughs> thank you serena yeah, thank Thanks, you this, serena. Is, this is great I had so much fun recording and editing this episode. And if you liked what you heard and want to support the work that we do, consider joining our Patreon campaign for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash earth to humans. We also have a new Instagram page for the show, which you can find at earth to humans pod. Earth to Humans is a production of the Wildlands Collective. It's produced every other week by Serena Simons, Matt Podolsky, and Hannah Mulvaney. Our intro sequence was edited by Matt Podolsky with shouting assistance from the Foothill School of the Arts and Sciences kindergarten class. Nozomi Takayabu makes original artwork for each episode of the show, which you can find at wildlandsinc.org ETH, as well as trail photos and bios from the women on today's panel. And finally, if you haven't already told all of your friends about the show, leave us an honest rating and review. It really, really helps other folks find the show. Audio samples used in the intro sequence were provided by the Macaulay Library at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and today's music is by Blue Dot Sessions.